Collegiately speaking. Walks into the end zone. Touches to the end zone. This is Collegiately Speaking. With the voice of Northwestern football and basketball, Dave Ennett, and former Northwestern star quarterback, Dan Persson. It's Collegiately Speaking. Let's go. And welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking. Dave Ennett, joined by former Wildcat quarterback Dan Persson, the Northwestern Wildcats pulled off really an amazing comeback win Saturday night. Now, I don't toss those terms around lightly, but you don't have a whole lot going. You're down 21 nothing in a game. Uh, you're down 24-7 at halftime and uh, still down by 21 points at the start of the fourth quarter and end up tying the game with two seconds to go in regulation and winning it in overtime. Um, by the way, your first snap of overtime. Dan, I've done a lot of overtime games over the years. Northwestern used to have a habit. I remember one year, played three weeks in a row, played overtime, won them all. I think that was in 2018. And I don't think there's ever been a, a game where they their first play from scrimmage in OT was the game winner. No, and I think you kind of felt after Minnesota got the field goal that that Northwestern was going to go for for the jugular and just try to win it right away because they had all the momentum and it was a great play call, uh, you know, a, a play action to a throwback to the tight end that always works. Um, so credit Coach Jake and and the, the Cats for for figuring that one out. But I think as a former player, it was just good to see that comeback. Frankly, it it, it was kind of a throwback Northwestern win from you know the the 2010s and before, right, where the the kids never quit, they kept playing. Yeah, that that fourth and one where, where the Minnesota running back you know broke a tackle and and ran for a touchdown. You really thought that was a nail in the coffin, but they didn't quit. Um, so you got to give them a ton of credit. And and these are the type types of games that build confidence in the offense and defense. And and everybody made plays at the end of the day, which was which was fun to watch. I've been asked by a couple of people what what changed, what turned this game around, and it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint one specific thing. I I do think if you go back to the second half and uh, the beginning of the second half and, and the third quarter, remember Minnesota got the ball first uh, to uh, to start the third quarter of play. And at that point, uh, Minnesota was up 24-7. to And Minnesota came out, and, uh, and they have a chance. And, and we saw this against Duke where uh, the Cats were down at halftime. Duke came out, scored the first two times they had the ball in the third quarter, and the game was over. In this case, Minnesota, which is having a lot of success running the ball with their terrific freshman Darius Taylor, they come out and uh, they threw the ball. didn't didn't try to run it at all, but they they uh, got one first down, and then after that, uh, three straight uh, incomplete or one one. There was one run I think by the quarterback, and uh, they ended up punting. And to me, it really showed a kind of a change in their approach to the game. And uh, Northwestern didn't cash in on that right away, but they eventually they did get a field goal on the ensuing drive, and that kind of got them going a little bit. You just never know, right? And I think that's that's what the kids need to believe in. You, you never know what one drive means, one play means. You got to keep playing because at the end of the day, you can score three straight drives and the other team, and you can get three straight stops. It's not that out of the question, but people think a twenty-one point deficit is this unsurmountable lead. It's really not, right? Especially in college football, and with how quick. 
these folks can can score and, and they showed on the last drive even though there, there were a couple times where I was kind of clenching my teeth holding my breath when you're checking the ball down in the middle of the field getting tackled and let the, the clock run and then Thomas Gordon you know kind of darting back in inside and then back barely getting out of bounds there, there were a couple you know good breaks that Northwestern got um, but they kept playing and making plays and and that that last touchdown throw before overtime uh, that Ben Bryant did was was textbook right. The the previous play they threw a fade uh, to the right side and and you know that Minnesota was getting towards double coverage and he knew that you know they were probably thinking the same thing because they didn't have a ton of time so it had to be a shot to the end zone so he looked the safety off right to to the the fade and then came back uh, to AJ Henning and and delivered a, a shot right and it was a great throw great execution top to bottom and then. Um, you know that that quick play in overtime sealed the deal. So it was it was just fun to watch. I think Ben Bryant is is really a gunslinger at heart, and I think uh, he took advantage of that second half. Uh, my my one worry is just the 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 running game, right? Establishing that is going to be important. You can't always play like that, and when you're down twenty one, you're playing against defenses that are a lot softer. Um, and that isn't isn't you know kind of consistent throughout the game. So you you still want to see the offense be more balanced at the end of the day, especially in the Big Ten West as it gets colder. Um, but it was it was fun to watch, fun to see, and like I said, it was really like a throwback Cats win, in my opinion. No doubt, the old uh, cardiac Cats. Ben Bryant, who transferred to Northwestern from Cincinnati, uh, played uh, at Cincinnati, then Eastern Michigan, then back to Cincinnati last year, and and now playing back at home because he's he's from this area from Lions. So. He is one of four Northwestern quarterbacks since 2000, I don't know if you know this, to record 800 or more passing yards with six or more touchdown passes in the first four games of the season. Can you name any of the other three? Sorry, say that again. What's the stat line? Four Northwestern quarterbacks since 2000. Ben is the fourth to record 800 or more passing yards, six or more touchdown passes in the first four games of, of a season. Uh, it's probably Baz, right? Nope. Uh, CJ Bechet, maybe. Nope. Am I on that list? You are. On that <laughs> <list>. <laughs> uh, maybe Kafka. No. How about this? Here, Jeez, here's I'm the list. I'll, I'll, I won't keep you in suspense any longer. <laughs> uh, Clayton Thorson in 2017. Zach Kustak in 2001. And Dan Person, 2010. And by the way, you had eight touchdown passes and the uh, second most yards behind Thorson hmm. uh, in that span, and also the fewest interceptions. Got One it. interception. There so, you go. Congratulations. That's pretty. That's pretty good group to be a part of. But uh, certainly, seeing uh, not only the passing of Bryant, but also how about his connection with Bryce Kurtz. Well, I think it's something that Wildcat fans were, have been waiting on, and unfortunately Bryce has just been injured pretty much his whole career. I think he's had, what, four or five knee surgeries and never really got on track. And he was always one of those older guys that would always make plays when he was in there. Um, but I think, because he had 215 in the game, I think that was more than he's had in a season yep. previously, which is, I mean, that's a huge, huge accomplishment for him. So hopefully he can stay healthy and, and him and AJ and the rest of the receivers can continue that connection um, because it was fun to watch. Well, let's go back to Saturday night. First down. Here's Bryant. Rolls right. Looking. Now throwing downfield. Wide open. Caught. Mangieri. Touchdown. The Wildcats win. Charlie Mangieri. All by himself. Touchdown Northwestern. And the Wildcats have stunned the that Gophers the the game. in overtime. 
I don't know why that guy was so excited. I mean, it's not like, you know, doesn't don't, don't teams come back, Dan, from down 21 points in the fourth quarter every every week and pull off great comeback wins like that? It happens. It happens. It's always good to see it happen, though. Yeah, no doubt about it. Dave Ennett, Dan Persa, pleased to welcome the guy who caught that pass that uh, we were describing on Saturday night uh, against the Minnesota Golden Gophers, number 89 of the Wildcats, Charlie Mangieri. Charlie, thanks for joining us. I, I think we talked to you on this show a couple of years ago and much different circumstances. Uh, you've been through an awful lot, and I, I've just got to think that that moment had to be certainly one of the highlights of your time at Evanston, if not the highlight. How would you sum it up? Absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me on, guys. It's, you uh, bet. it's a pleasure. But, uh, no, yeah, definitely been through a lot, especially um, last year going through an ACL injury and kind of recovering from that. Um, it kind of just came full circle in that moment, and it kind of just everything led up to there. But um, definitely a lot of uh, a lot more work to do leading up to Penn State this week. Got a tough opponent, so looking forward to that now. How much of a lift, though, did that win give not just you, not just the offense, but but the entire team? Yeah, definitely a major lift. Um, you know, you're always looking for that one, like one burst of energy to kind of give you some confidence, give you some swagger within the offense, within the defense, within the whole team. I think that win, especially coming down 21 to nothing, kind of shows that um, um, we can be a great team. And um, as long as everybody plays complimentary football, um, so yeah, huge lift off the shoulders, being two, two and two, and then one to know in the Big Ten West, um, everything's right in front of us right now. Charlie Dan Percy here. Thanks again for for joining us. I think as as fans from the outside looking in, it seems like one of the you know, from a skill position standpoint, one of the more talented groups that Northwestern's had in a long time, probably in, in your career as well. Um, do you agree with that? And maybe talk a little bit about how how the talent has, has finally come together, especially in, in that second half. For sure, yeah. I think our skill position is definitely um, one of the better's I've been around um, in the tight end room, wide receivers. Um, running back room, I mean, everywhere. I mean, I think a big reason for that is is that um, we're an older group, especially um, in the skill position, um, whether that be transfers or just guys who have been here the whole time. So we've been able to gel together and kind of work off of each other and kind of know what everybody's going to be doing, especially with Coach Jake's offense. He's been here for four years, and we've all been working through it since since the start of COVID. So, you know, it's kind of stuff like that, helping us gel together and then bringing the new guys along, the, uh, the transfers, um, to kind of, get them on pace and, and work with them. So, yeah, it's, it's been fun. What do you think was the main difference in the second half versus, you know, the first half and, frankly, the, the previous couple games? Yeah, I think, honestly, Coach Braun, I, I'm sure you guys have heard this the whole time, but he's been preaching um, just to find our edge. So I think that was a big thing. But looking back at, like, a physical moment that burst that, I think it was it had to have been Bryce Curse and um, Ben Bryant, that one drive where they just did it themselves. You know, that's kind of something we're like, okay, um, we can score and we can score fast and we can do this all year. So I think that was a big turning point, not only in that game, but honestly in the whole season coming forward. Charlie, what's the transition been like for you adjusting to playing for a new head coach when you had played for one guy for five years and uh, you probably hadn't had a whole lot of dealings uh, with David Braun at the, at the time he was elevated to the interim head coaching job? Yeah, you know, um, it seems like it would be like a kind of a tough situation. Obviously, I miss Coach Fitz. I love him. Um, he's done so much for me and my family. But um, I think Coach Braun has done a great job to make a seamless transition. Obviously, some things are different. Some things have stayed the same. But um, in the grand scheme of things, um, 
he's done a great job to just keep everything seamless and, and make sure that um, nothing really changes within this year. We're talking with Charlie Manger, tight end uh, for the Wildcats, caught the game-winning touchdown pass from Ben Bryant Saturday night to beat Minnesota. Uh, I should say former super back because that's <laughs> that's how long you've been there. You came in as a super back in in 2018, and and I know you've told this story a number of times. We've probably asked you about it before, but if there is a guy with a, a legacy either in college football, college athletics, or at Northwestern, you kind of cover the whole gamut there. Two brothers who played college football, another brother who played baseball, two uncles who played at Northwestern. Give us the quick family tree, Charlie. Yeah, um, so you knocked it right in the head right there. Um, Oldest brother, PJ, played at um, Nebraska as a long snapper. Nick, the second oldest, played at Indiana. Um, as a defensive end. And then Luke played at Bradley, also got drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, and actually just finished his um, baseball career with the Chicago Dogs. And then my two older uncles, um, Uncle Eddie, Uncle Danny, both played um, at Northwestern. Danny played with Fitz on the Rose Bowl team. So, you know, it's been great kind of just learning from them, um, competing with my brothers like pretty much every single day when I grew up until they left for college. So a lot of learning opportunities from each and every one of them and uh, a lot of things to be grateful for. I had the good fortune to broadcast games with both of your uncles were playing. Both Eddie, who was uh, could punt, he did a little of everything for the Cats back in the early 90s. And, of course, Danny, as you mentioned, a uh, terrific player on that, uh, that great defense they had on that 95 team that went out to Pasadena. They, they, I'm sure they've told you a lot of those stories about those days. Oh, for sure. Yeah. My parents, my parents did so too. I mean, they were traveling yeah. and watching those well, but unfortunately, that wasn't a lot. Yeah, exactly. Charlie, uh, maybe talk a little bit about Coach Jenick. He's he's a guy that I think has a lot of different experiences, being a head coach, position coach, a couple stops at Northwestern, and a and a really senior coach, frankly. And maybe talk a little bit about how he's helped in your development, and especially through some of these tougher times over the last year. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, he's kind of coach who, who lets you really play free. Um, he doesn't really try and get too much in your head with um, like footwork and stuff like that. Um, the tight end position is can be pretty complex doing run blocking and um, route running. So um, his kind of philosophy is kind of less less stuff in your head and more so like lets you to uh, run free, play free as long as you're in the right spots and the right gaps and, and doing what you're supposed to be doing. So um, he's been really helpful in that point. And then I got to give a shout out to. Uh, my older coach, Coach Hess, but he was more so technique. So kind of just getting uh, like a mesh between both of them has really helped me um, flourish as a tight end. When when you were on our post game Saturday night and you were talking to Ted Albrecht and, and you mentioned that, I th- and this was right after the game, you said you already had like 100 text messages. <laughs> How many did you yeah. end up with and uh, who did you hear from who was the most surprising? Um, Nobody too surprising, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um. Like Coach Fitz hit me up. That's not too surprising. I mean, we've been having conversations, but uh, yeah, nothing too surprising. I'd say I, it was probably stuck around the 100 yeah. um, messages. I'm not too sure. That's that's still a lot, a, a short period of time. Well, that's right. Charlie, congratulations uh, on a uh, a terrific, uh, certainly a terrific career and uh, a great accomplishment Saturday night, and a lot of work still to be done and. You know, this this Penn State team's coming in here with a lot of momentum, but I'm sure they got to be looking at what you guys did and say, 
oh, this this isn't going to be maybe the cakewalk that people would have predicted if they'd looked at it a few weeks ago or early in the season. Yeah, you know, they're a good ball club. Um, hopefully we put out some good stuff on film. Um, you know, it's 11 a.m. game, so we love cat time. Um, let's hope we get a we get a good fan base showing up. Um, look forward to a great game against Penn State, you know. No doubt. Charlie, appreciate your time. Stay healthy, and uh, good luck this Saturday and the rest of the season. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. You guys Thanks, Thanks. Take care. All right, good to visit with uh, Charlie Mangieri. Really remarkable. He alluded to this at the beginning, Dan, but uh, he tried to play in uh, 2022. I rem- I think it was the game at Penn State in the rain where he went out there and, and had a knee injury and uh, tried to play through it and got out there and just realized he couldn't. And Opted to come back. He's a sixth-year guy, and obviously you get some experience in that room, which is a pretty pretty loaded room anyway with guys like Thomas Gordon and Marshall Lang, who got got dinged up on uh, Saturday a couple of times, got hurt. Um, and uh, some, uh, some other guys, Duke Olgis, who moved over from defense and has contributed, especially as a blocker. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that, that Charlie stuck it out, and now he gets uh, certainly the biggest individual moment in his career yeah it's been very fun to watch and, and you mentioned it right he's he's seen a lot since since 2018 ups and downs at, at northwestern and to your point i think coach janik has a great tight end room i think he mentioned that dugolgas was probably one of the better blockers if not the best blocker as a tight end in, in the big Ten, which um is obviously a, a serious statement and then the, the other guys that you talked about marshall uh charlie and and Thomas Gordon are great players, right? So I think it's important to, to have a strong tight end room, especially in in Coach Jake's offense, where they they try to involve the tight ends and and have a, a great running game. How do you look at the Big Ten West right now? Because I mean, we know that one of the powers from the Big Ten East is coming in this week in Penn State. You look at the West; uh, seems like everybody has had their struggles and everybody's had their. They're good moments, too. I mean, certainly Minnesota, their opener against Nebraska, they looked good. Nebraska is certainly continuing to struggle, even though they got a win this week. And uh, Illinois, not quite sure what to make of them yet. Same can be said, I guess, of some of the other teams in that division. I think it's right, right? I think every every team is is still trying to figure it out. I would I would say Wisconsin's probably the top team in my mind thus far, but again, it's it's still really early. They had a good win against Purdue. Uh Purdue, Illinois and and even Iowa are still trying to figure out their identity. Um so it's it's wide open and I think a lot can change over the next couple of weeks, but you'll you'll find out in October who who the the main contenders are and who's coming into form and who's not. Um, but I think the the great thing for Northwestern is it's wide open, right? It, why yep. why not them at this point after that win? So we'll see. I think it'll be fun to watch and, and materialize. And of course, last year they gave Penn State a battle out there in the rain, but got some turnovers and they were in that game. Ended up losing seventeen to seven. And uh, now Penn State's coming in off a thirty-one nothing thrashing of Iowa in the whiteout in State College last Saturday night. It's really remarkable. They are giving up 8.8 points a game so far this year, about 200 yards of offense. This They've had some good defenses under Manny Diaz there, Dan, but it looks like this could be uh, maybe 
I don't know if it's the best, but it's got to be right up there. They look solid. I, I would almost say that they, they're playing better than Ohio State right now. I would, I would think Michigan's probably playing the best, Penn State, than Ohio State. But it's, it's a tough test. And Coach Diaz has, is very experienced, obviously, from his, his former stops and um, has those guys playing really hard. Um, you know, the whiteout is, is a different animal, right? So that, mm-hmm. that score got out of hand pretty quickly. And I don't know that um, it was absolutely reflective of those two teams. But I think Northwestern, as long as they can hang around and stay in the game and, and keep, you know, the, the quarterback Aller slow them down a little bit, right? They have an explosive offense and, and take care of the ball, right? So as long as they don't give it away um, and, and hang around, it's, it's a game that, that could be fun to watch. But at the same time, a couple of mistakes one, one way or another, and it could get away from you pretty quickly. Yeah, no doubt about that against that team. All right, time for, as we do every week, to bring in Super Joe for his predictions. Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super Joe's predictions. Much appreciated, gentlemen. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to completely forget about last week's Ole Miss Bama game where I missed the total by three full scores. Yikes. Let's get back to the Big Ten where we're all more comfortable. Nebraska hosts Michigan at 2.30 on Fox on Saturday. Michigan's team total is just 27.5 points. Their offense, with or without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines, has been pretty good. They have the nation's most accurate passer with J.J. McCarthy at 79.8%. Blake Corm has rumbled into the end zone eight times, which leads the nation. And the new number one target, Roman Wilson, has six touchdowns through the air. I like the Wolverines to get that 28 points and then some. All right, so the schedule, you've got uh, the Cats playing Penn State. You've got Illinois at Purdue. And Nebraska home against Michigan this week, uh, Indiana plays at Maryland. Maryland looks really tough, too. You know, we talk about Look Ohio good. State, Michigan, yeah. and uh, Penn State in the east. But how about the Terrapins? Iowa back home to play Michigan State, which is really struggling. Uh, Louisiana plays at Minnesota. Rutgers hosts Wagner. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And, of course, uh, the evening matchup, one of the Wildcats' previous opponents, uh, Duke, playing at home against Notre Dame, which is coming off the loss to Ohio State. Interesting matchup there. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, 11 o'clock kickoff Saturday at Ryan Field. Dan, thanks as always. We'll talk to you again next week before the Cats have their homecoming game against the Bison of Howard. Absolutely. It should be fun on Saturday. All right. Thanks. That's Dan Persa. Many thanks to uh, Charlie Mangieri for jumping on with us today. Also, our producer, Jack Heinrich. Thanks to Super Joe Romano for his predictions. And don't forget to join us Saturday. Ted Albrecht will be with me for the pregame at 1030 Saturday morning uh, when the Cats take on the Nittany Lions. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back with you next week on Collegiately Speaking.